are still doing a series, uh, continue our new series uh, on Christian ethics. Um, last week we looked at an overview, um, and this week we are going to be looking, zooming into particular areas uh, of the Christian life that once you are saved, once you become a Christian, so what? What happens? How am I to conduct myself uh, or how am I to live as a new creature in Christ? And ethics, as we defined it last week, um, is really how um, a, a group of principles or philosophies that one is to live by and the world has builds ethics from reason and humanistic ideologies, but uh, the Christian gets ethics from the Bible. The Bible will tell you. Uh, of course, there's nothing in the Bible that is written well. You cannot smoke marijuana, but you can get principles in the Bible that will help you to conclude that marijuana smoking is sin. Um, um, of course, people would start talking about, well, medicinal use, you know, cancer, eh, give, the, give the granny a blunt so that she can smoke and then she'll be fine. Uh, I'm not going to get into that, but I'm talking about uh, those kids or men or even women that use it uh, casually. Um, is a Christian supposed to live that way? So today we're going to be looking at really Christian ethic on work and leisure. And I've decided that it's going to be a two-part series because um, I think there's a lot to cover when we think about work and leisure. And so today we'll just uh, look at the work facet. Now, when you look around you, uh, around the world and, and ask people this question, what is work? Why do we work? And, and to what end? You pick a random stranger and ask them, so, so why is it that we work? You know, you get answers like, no, 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 I want to achieve my dreams and goals. Uh, I want to build a house. I want to accumulate uh, wealth and accumulate properties i want to make it in life that that's really the the goal um the general goal of course some will say well i want to live um a good life i don't want to live a life that my grandparents lived so i want to break the chain of poverty eh, all that stuff that, that they talk about you say i want to break um what do they call it uh generational curses you know in our home no one has had an O-level, so I'll be the first one to have an O-level and go to England and work. And then there, people say, well, they've made it in life. That's, the, that's what, what people say. That's what uh, the general mind of the unbeliever thinks when, they t when you talk about work. You know, and, and really many people would want to s accumulate wealth and ultimately spend it on their sinful appetites or to sin without bounds to sin unabated 
And, and that is why you see some people go as far as stealing or murdering such that they enjoy something that they actually have not worked for. You remember South Africa a couple of days ago, people were carrying fridges and coffins and, 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 and washing machines, etc., etc. And people were celebrating. Woo! People are looting. Yeah. And you know, you see these videos of people speaking Zulu or Tosa or in their native language saying, yeah, I've made it in life. Look, I've got four fridges. Okay. Something that they've not worked for. That is the prevailing view in the world. And, and really, when you think about even the world's heroes, you go to some of these school kids, and, 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 and that is how I was even before I came to the faith by God's grace. That my heroes... Uh, Example, these basketball players or whatever, soccer players, wrestlers, Rihanna, musicians, you know, uh, and, and I'll say, wow, they work so hard. And, and, and what was the basis for me to say that? The basis was that without sufficient evidence or investigation of what the person actually did to get resources as long as they had resources, I would say, therefore, then, they are successful. A Bima, a Benz, a Bentley, etc., um, etc. Et that is my hero, and that is who I want to be. And man, they work so hard. That's what I would say. Have you ever thought about work in a different light? You know? For example, in our culture, you can have a prostitute. You know, prostitutes have, are, according to the today's world, prostitutes have got classes. You've got the high-class high prostitutes, you've got the middle class, you've got the low class. If you've got someone who has built mansions and all sorts of things and had to sleep with half of the town, the men in the, half of the men in the town to get those things and wreck households, people say, well, that is a hero. She worked hard. Even when they arrive, people will be bowing down. They, 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 are, in, they are in awe of such uh, behavior. But as a Christian, what is our general work ethic or where do we get our theology of work? First of all, work is a virtue. It's good. It's good because our God is a worker. <laughs> Have you ever heard of God as a worker? Mwari vanushanda. Mwari mushandi. He's a worker. And, and, and God's work has got many different facets. For example, God created mankind on earth. God's work in creation. Then you, um, you, you can think about uh, uh, also the vegetation and the animals. And also God worked to ensure that mankind was redeemed. His work in redemptive history. 
And you think of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we say repent and believe in the, in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we talk about his person and his work. The person and work of Christ. We think of the Holy Spirit, the person, the third person of the Holy Spirit, who works by regenerating the soul that is dead in sin. God also works in providence, divine providence, bringing together all things that he decreed to come to pass just as he decreed them. Divine providence. If one was to drop dead right now, we would all be mourning and shocked and everything. But according to God's decree, that is his providence coming into play. His work of holding together everything in him and everything working in accordance to his will. And friends, God is doing a billion things right now that you know not of. How amazing. Our God does not sleep and slumber. He, he's, he doesn't need to rest as it were, although he rested on the sixth day. Oh, yeah. On the seventh day and blessed it and made it holy. So, that, so as to marvel and delight in his work. But God does not tire. I remember when we talk about work as well, Paul did say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But today I just want to look at work in terms of labor. Labor. So who, who instituted work when, where and when? So let, let us, uh, we'll do a small Bible study. I'll take us through a number of verses. Uh, and then when, um, even as we progress, we'll be looking at what God has done. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 29. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 29. Here's the word of God. Then God said, let us make man in, in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. So, dominion. There's some work happening there. And over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and, other, and, other every, and, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful. So work and multiply. Work. So even in being fruitful, have you ever thought of, of sex as work? Sex within the bounds of a marriage covenant is work. For you to be fruitful, multiply, that's what the Bible says. Be fruitful and multiply. 
and fill the earth and subdue it and have, there's the word again, dominion over the fish of the sea and, the, and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 29, and God said, behold, I have given, that's work, I have given you every plant, yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 and 15. And the Lord God planted, planted a garden. He worked. He is the one that did the work of planting. In the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. There you go. The ethic of working. Who created work? God. From a biblical perspective, God instituted work. And when? In the beginning, when he was creating the heavens and the earth. And, and, and friends, one thing that we have to note here is that God, well, the toilsome labor did not come up until after the fall. Man was created to work. And in working, he was to glorify God. That's what we see from the scriptures. Dominion. Expansion, be fruitful and multiply in number so that your offspring may follow suit of what I have done. I, the God who creates. Beautiful. But the fall came. The fall came. So work was given before the fall. The fall only made work toilsome. It was when God instituted work, he was, Adam was to work pleasantly and cultivate a garden. But after the fall, Adam had to plow hard land. I want, I want you to think about that for a minute. Before the fall, I would say, Work was a breeze. It was enjoyable. <laughs> it was nice. After the fall, there's sweat, toil, and trouble. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3 quickly. Genesis chapter 3, and I'll read from verse 17 to 19. So this is God giving the judgment to Adam, our federal head. Listen to the word of God and take it as it is. 
And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Right? Here's the first indictment. Cursed is the ground because of you. So the ground was cursed because of sin. The heart, it, it just means that the, the ground became barren. It became hard. Can you plant crops in the Kalahari Desert? Or the Gobi? Or the Sahara? No. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles. So there you go. So it, be, it, it would follow. That thorns and thistles were as a result of the fall of man. Or rather, maybe we are to presuppose that thorns and thistles already existed, but now, that, now after the fall, the way they would operate was different. They would be a terror. They would grow and choke your plants when you that that's why even in some rural areas people plant in Chibi, they plant maize and they go and guard the maize because makudo baboons will come and eat cursed is the ground <laughs> even baboons are affected by the fall they may they may not know it but they are living out what is happened to them as a result of what mankind did. The fall of man wrecked everything, including work. And that is why it is not natural for a human being to work. Human beings by nature want to receive things on a silver platter. Human beings want to get things they have not worked for. Human beings want to do shortcuts so that they can get something which they have not worked for. That is why you've got cohabiting. <laughs> that is why you've got people who are stealing, fraudulent, stealing from people's companies. You put someone as a secretary. They are busy now having a satellite company within your company. And guess what? They're making money. You don't know. You may know, but because you just want them to be there, you leave them there. We, I've seen it. My dad employed people. Even my uncles would be there plotting on how to sidestep the accountants and make fake receipts so that they can accumulate Work does not come naturally because of the fall of man. And, and, I, and I wish the world understood that because when the world understands these things from a biblical perspective, it will then follow 
to say that all these social issues that people are always complaining about, eh, the poor, we want an equal society. You won't have an equal society because of a broken nature of man. You can't. You won't. You may try, but you won't. You may try to advocate for world equality. Each and everyone should have the same opportunity. Each and every gender, sex, or whatever you want to call it, or age group. Everyone needs equal education, etc., etc. But they do not understand that the world is a broken place because of the fall of man. Therefore, whatever they want to be equal will not be equal. <laughs> because of the fall of man. The ground was from the fall of man. You see, when God gave Adam that commandment, the ground was level for all mankind. You would have had equal chances and opportunities. <laughs> but now, after the fall, the, the, the ground was unequal. No one gets an equal chance. Some people are where they are because they stole. Some people are where they are because they worked hard. Some people are where they are because they lied their way there. Okay. Thorns and thistles shall bring forth, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Genesis chapter 3 verse 19. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. So, so friends, toil and trouble are there as a result of the fall. Work will be hard. For some, it will actually be harder. But the point is, it's hard for you. Let me give a simple example. On one hand, when we see someone who works in a mine, in comparison to someone who works in the office, what do we say? Well, okay, the one in the mine, well, we actually, some will say the one in the mine works harder, some will say the one in the office works harder, depending on what their, their, their end result is. is, 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 is. But, but the point is, for the one in the mine, there's toil of its own that will uh, incapacitate his physical attributes. It will have a bearing on his body in many different ways that sitting behind a chair and typing all day or sitting uh, in front of a fire and just approving payments <laughs> um, will also have an effect on the body and on the, on the mind. But the point is, both those different facets of work, you, by the sweat of your brow, of your face, you shall eat. It's hard. It's hard, friends. That is why, <coughs> even when you think about, ah, okay, well, we need to build... Where will you get the money if you're not stealing? In Africa, can you build a house at your age? Where? 
where will you get the money? What? How many years have you worked for you to say you're building house? And how much are you earning? And which bank is giving you a loan? In Zimbabwe, I'm told banks don't give loans. Unless you are elite. Or you have a certain class. Alright? Listen to this. Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to the dust you shall return. So friends, here's the statement of Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. Here it is. Work hard for the glory of God till you die. <laughs> because you have incurred the punishment and the penalty of sin because of your federal head regardless of whether Christ has saved you from sin you will still work hard there are some facets of the fall of man that are perpetual. Like this one. From dust we're created. And to dust we'll return. We will die. We may, we, we, we may think about. You know, when we see the coronavirus. People. Facebook has turned into a morgue. Or WhatsApp statuses. People are just like. Oh R.I.P. R.I.P. And we may be even thinking in our minds, well, you know, I won't die. Or maybe death uh, will come to me one day. But friends, according to the scriptures, you are dust and you will die. Now the question is, will you die with Christ or will you die without Christ? And we know that those who die without Christ go to a certain destination. That is full of torment and evil and suffering. Eternal suffering. So work is meant to meet our personal needs. So if you want something, work. If you want to eat, shanda. I can't say I want a burger and be looking over my, 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 my neighbor's walls. So when is my burger coming? <laughs> Go and work. Go and work. And, and, and this is not even to be insensitive to those who cannot work because of physical ailments. Or even maybe you've got some sort of disease that does not enable you to... You are incapacitated. I'm talking about someone who's able-bodied, but sits and says, no, 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 I have to wait until the job I'm, I'm claiming will come. It will never come. And, and, and I mean, my personal advice is that for people, you need to have different skill sets. Because if what you're doing now does not work out, you still need to work. What are you going to do? 
meeting of our personal needs, providing for our families, and supporting the work of missions or the work of our Lord. And friends, if you think about it, in those days, on those times, people did not have offices like you and me. They did farming, they hunted, they gathered, and they made clothing from animal skin and traded precious minerals, bartering. And so, we have seen what the Bible says about work, but what is mankind's view of work? I would like to propose to you, friends, a Greco-Roman uh, mindset that is prevailing now. I would like to propose to you what the ancient Greek uh, communities, which is what all what we, everything that we call civilization may have sprung up from. I know people have got different, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into all these, whether civilization started in China, whether it's in Africa. Uh, but we see that uh, from the Bible, we see, um, you know, when Paul is writing to the Christians in Rome, and in, uh, when he's doing his ministries, even in Athens, when he passes and he saw uh, a sign, you know, where, where people worshipping idols, they're worshipping the unknown God. That is the worldview that is prevailing in this world it is not uh maybe what you would call the judeo-christianity as many countries would want to be associated with christianity they'll tell you we are a christian nation the president a whole president can stand on the podium and say declare country a christian nation and i'm saying what are you smoking do you know what Judeo-Christianity is? Do you know what the Bible teaches? All of you are far detached from what the Bible teaches. You are, you are far off and you are going further and further and further. Okay, listen to what one scholar says uh, on, on, on mankind's view of work from the ancient Greek world. It says, there is a popular notion that work was considered degrading. This is labor I'm talking about. Labor was, was known for slaves. When you would work kutimba panzi, they'll say it's slavery. And that is what the, the feminist movement is saying. If you talk about, well, my wife uh, needs to work to earn a living, they'll say, uh, uh, well, not even to earn a living, but to work outside the home, uh, sweeping the yards. Um, you know, watering the flowers and doing all sorts of things. They'll say, well, that is slavery. That is slavery. Okay, so, work was considered degrading in ancient Greeks, Greece. Historians and philosophers often refer to this period as the time when all work was left to slaves and free citizens lived a life that allowed them to in, 
to engage in cognitive leisure activities. Won't you look at that? This is what is the prevailing worldview. That if you sit at home and you conjure up something in your mind uh, and, and you come up with a brilliant pitch, that is what is said. Well, that is praiseworthy. They'll say, This person can think. That's, that's where it came from. So, with the advent of the classical period, ancient Greece became the country where Western philosophy was born. Due to improvement in economic conditions and using the unfree workforce, free citizens were able to stop doing physical work. And friends, I have to be honest with you. This has been convicting to me as well. To say, sometimes I have a very view, high view of these works of you know being in the office. Not that it's a problem to be in the office, but I'm saying we tend to have a leaning towards that and to shun hard labor. Working with your hands like the Apostle Paul who we will see as time goes on uh, in this study, what he said to the Thessalonians. And so that allowed them to spend more time on philosophy and political activities. Oh, how this world loves politics. Oh, how this world loves Senate. Oh, let's sit and watch you know, the American politics Trump is leading. Oh, Biden. You've even got people sitting there waiting, you know, <laughs> to, to tweet and say, well, there we go. You know, Trump has won. Or even in Zimbabwe, we've got all this, I think for, I don't know how many years, MDC and ZANU-PF. Now it's even a game. They, they, they work together. Now it's, oh, MDC, oh, Chamisa, hey, hey, chi, chi, chi. That is the Greco philosophy. Since there was no need for them to make ends meet, political and philosophical elite considered their status to be superior. So, friends, automatically in this world, if you look at the grading system, for them to give you a degree, what do you have to do? You have to twelve four years. You have to, whatever, four or five years. I don't know what degree to be. And then when you come out, ah, a banker. Already, automatically, your status has been raised. And you yourself has, have raised your own status. So if people say you're a banker, you, you already have your chest puffed up. It's the grading system of the world. That's not how God views these things and that's what i want to say that's not how god views these things and the sanctified way of looking at work in the christian faith is that all work 
is done to the glory of God. No matter how menial we think it is, we must get it out of our, our minds. We must be sanctified. Christians, these days, in this day and age, Christians need sanctification when it comes to work. We do. Because we have viewed work in a, in, a, in a worldly sense. The world has come in and infiltrated the church. Even in the church, you know, there's classism. The rich sit somewhere. The poor sit elsewhere. Maybe when the poor is not educated enough to understand our jargon and our slang, they feel left out. What is Calvinism? <laughs> and, and I mean, can you be, are you able to explain to the layman who is timbering your garden outside to say, what really is Calvinism? Can you explain in the most simplistic manner in Shona <laughs> or in your native language? All right. <sighs> Man. There's a prevailing worldview against hard work or hard labor. And that's why there's a flurry of modifications to try and make things easier. There's always new inventions. Oh, you people have even got massages nowadays. Foot massages. This thing that rubs, it be vibrating like this on your feet. <laughs> yeah? And you're just, you know, relaxing. There are new phones. There are cars that drive themselves and park itself. You no longer, some people no longer have to go to uh, driving uh, school. You just click a button, the car drives itself. You say, oh, I'm getting to my car, bye-bye. <laughs> it's all in the effort to make things easier. God said life will be hard. We're saying, no, 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 God. We want life to be easier. But tragically, and the tragic thing is that God will always show us our inadequacies. Always. All these human inventions have, have defects. They have defects. That's why they die. You buy a heater, the latest heater, it explodes and, you know, your house is on fire, you had a gas heater, a gas lighter. Oh, let's get the latest central heating system. There's always something wrong. There's a storm that comes, falls on the poles, electricity is no longer working. <laughs> even in America, I remember there was a time when there were power cuts because of snow. Even the great America suffers. They suffer. And I want to move on to this one, which may draw a bit of controversy. But there is also, yeah, this high view of cognitive mind work and low view of labor and hard work is considered for low-class citizens. You know, this is why there's a, a push for higher credentials. Get educated. And I'm not even, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying education is wrong. By, 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 by all means, if you can and if you can afford, go to school. But I'm saying, 
there's such a high view on it. But it gives birth to laziness. Let me explain in Zimbabwe. And, 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 and this is, you know, I was thinking about this. We have a country of so-called educated people. And we're told there's 90-something percent unemployment rate. And also, we're also told that the government, people are looking to the government as their savior. Nowhere in the scriptures is the government presented as social welfare. And I know people would disagree with me. That government should bring aid and relief. Maybe a function. But we are in a country of educated people. And because they've been told that they're educated, they cannot humble themselves to go and be a fuel attendant. Ah, me, I can't be a fuel attendant. I went to University of Zimbabwe. My credits, my majors. Ah, Baba. I cannot, I cannot go and be a fuel attendant. I cannot go and mop chicken in. I cannot go and, yeah, be a money changer. It's work. They're working. Some may say they're stealing. But they're working. They've created employment for themselves. Even the touters, are they working? <laughs> the touters are they not working? <laughs> All right, I guess that, that that may come out in the in the question and answer thing. But I just want to show you that we should create employment, labor, <laughs> labor, and people have the choice. To complain all day and say there are no jobs and write on social media. The government is this. The government, Zimbabwe is that. We've got a choice as Christians. We either do the same in our hearts, in the corridors with the other believers, or we put our heads down and we work. We've got a choice. And I think Zimbabwe is where we are. Because people have failed to step up. So much resources. No one is stopping you from going or using whatever land you have to start timbering and planting maize or whatever. No one. Of course, you can co complain about water, electricity. There's always something. But that is the hardness of life. That is the, that is the, that is the making, uh, well, breaking in sweat. Please, uh, please may have the charger so that, yeah, thank you. That is the breaking sweat. By the sweat of your brow, you will work. You will eat. So many things I have to say on this, but let us continue. I want to read the Proverbs on laziness. And we, and friends, 
We have a lot to repent from and ask God for help in. Proverbs 21.25 The desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to slaver. Oh, what, what tragedy. I passed by the field of a sluggard. That's Proverbs 20, 24 verse 3034. I passed by a field of a sluggard by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep and a little slumber. The, 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 the writer of Proverbs said, I looked at that, and from that I got instruction. <laughs> Wisdom came. He says, oh, a little slumber. Uh, a, a, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Proverbs 20 verse 4, the sluggard does not plow in autumn. He will seek uh, at harvest. Sorry. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. Proverbs 20 verse 13, that's what this, is, this is the reason why we should wake up early. Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will, be, you will have plenty of bread. Let us, let, us not love, let us not love too much sleep. I used to love a lot of sleep, friends. But yo, I realized that it was not profitable. It is not profitable. Slothfulness, Proverbs 19 verse 15. Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. Munu are lazy, will suffer hunger. Someone who is lazy, who does not think, who, does, who is not innovative, who, who does not utilize what they have to make sure there's some sort of income in his or her home. Will suffer hunger. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be will be will be put to forced labor. Proverbs twelve verse twenty four. If you don't want to be put in forced labor, don't be slothful. And friends, let me ask you a question: How liberating is it to not be a burden to other people? It's liberating. For example, let's say, um, you know, maybe just a, an example. You've got no way to stay. You just always rent, rent, rent. If you get a bit, little bit of money, why not build? So that the only thing you'll be paying for now is bills and water. Existing water. Right now, you are on a fence like a bird. When the wind comes, the, the owner can say, no, no, I want you out of my house. Hope you be homeless. Avoid being put to forced labor. And this is not prosperity gospel. 
work hard. Because I'm sure the prosperity preacher saying, by all means, by all means, in the name of Jesus, in the name of, by all means, claim, declare, do whatever it means. And they are meaning, do whatever it takes, even the illegal things, to attain wealth. That's not what I'm saying. Do not uh, misinterpret. Now, turn with me to um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And with these statements, I would love to uh, close. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3. All right. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. So, friends, number one, we must be wary of walking with people who are in idleness. Number two, for you yourself know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle, work hard when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. Now Paul is not saying every time you go and visit your brother and sister, you have to bring two loaves of bread and say, no, ah, they, I, you know, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Shogun, I cannot stay here without giving you bread. That's not what he's saying. <laughs> Paul is saying, he as a gospel minister, although it is well within his right to be taken care of by the flock of the Lord Jesus Christ, he did not take that right as license to take advantage of them. But he worked with his hands such that he did not eat bread that he did not pay for. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right, that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we're with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. What an indictment. You may think that's heartless. Tell me something. Even those people who are all busy with, uh, you know, I am a very generous person, World Health Organization stuff, we feed millions of children. Are they feeding everyone? Do they have the capacity? Oh, I've even heard some will turn other people down. You have to have certain credentials for you to be, to be helped by them. Paul is saying, let him who is not willing to work, uh, let him not eat. If he's not willing to work, let this brother not eat. The one who is able-bodied, but is not, is refusing to work. He's just lazy. Remember what we talked about other time. A, a boyfriend who spends the whole day playing PlayStation. What will, what will a godly woman have to do with that? I say, my sister, you will not eat. <laughs> you will not eat. 
For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. In other words, those who are lazy will become those who are nosy parkers, sticking their nose into other people's business. You will be now knowing the happenings in so-and-so's household. That will be now your job, to keep you entertained. You'll be in people's business. I like what uh, one commentator said. He said, God gives us work so that we may stay out of other people's business. <laughs> That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, ah, some of you are busy bodies. Don't you know, ever you see that those people have got nothing to do? They always are in people's business. They are always wanting, they're the biggest rumor spreaders. Hey, 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 this and that, you know, they're there. Now such persons we command encouraging the Lord Jesus to do their work quietly and earn their own living. Friends, we must work hard, diligently. We must be transparent in our work. We must endeavor because there has to be a balance. And I'll talk about this probably next week when I'm now hoping to get into leisure. But when you think about work, there is an extreme of people who are addicted to work. Who work is just their, their whole life. They, all they do is work. That is not what the Bible is talking about here. That is not what the Bible is talking about. The Bible is talking about diligent, honest work that is glorifying to God. And a balance between that work and rest. Because we must rest. Whether it's a sabbatical, whether it's a three months leave. Some people only rest on maternity leave. You are being forced into resting because of a baby. But I would say, why don't you rest even without a baby? Go on maternity. Go and leave. You work so hard though. You work yourself to the ground. No social life. You're not going to church. And friends, you might ask yourself, so what is the point of this? The point is that are we glorifying God in our work and in our lives how then should we live because the bible has set precepts for us to see you know when you're being lazy <laughs> like i said laziness does not uh, hard work does not come naturally to mankind it is a spiritual discipline let me put it that way Let's turn to First uh, Thessalonians, a couple of pages back. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11. Paul has got this theme in mind. He says, uh, sorry, he says, But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, 
and to mind your own affairs and to do work with your hands as we instructed you. Friends, I cannot even tell you what the effects of laziness are. The effects of laziness are detrimental to you, to yourself, to your family. Even as Paul writes to Timothy and he says, the one who does not provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. But not only to yourself, to your community, to your church. And guess what? Some people don't even give because they're lazy. It's not because they don't have. Ah. <laughs> There, there is a, a domino effect that started from the top. They did not work, so they could not feed their family. They could not feed their family, so they could not give to the church. Ah, one more. They could not help those in need. So, friends... A biblical work ethic. Where are we? Because the Lord Jesus Christ gives us an example of what really, you know, how to work or how to obey his Father fully and fulfill the law he should be our example in what dignity is hard work one commentator says that jesus uh, spent three years in ministry and 20 years as a carpenter <laughs> i found that interesting but just how we need to have a biblical mindset of work. Not working to accumulate funds so that we can spend it on our passions, but working hard so that God may be glorified. And that, you know, we, we our families may glorify God and our brothers and sisters may not be in lack because each and every one of us is working, you know, And that God's work may progress. Amen. So, I uh, will have time. Um, we will have time for questions and answers. Um,